0: So I want to take a moment before we uh, get into, uh, we're in Numbers chapters 28 and 29. We're covering those two this evening. But before we do, as um, all of you, I'm sure, know, there's um, there's a bunch of fires. I mean, uh, it was interesting because the other day I heard of one starting up, and uh, before the end of the day, it was like four or five, and um, so they're just all over the place. And uh, so I want to pray for... Um, for all of the first responders to, um, to those fires. And also, of course, all the people who um, have lost homes. And uh, there's uh, all kinds of buildings that have been lost because of that. And also, um, I don't know if you've um, uh, heard. But uh, the United States, uh, President Trump, has acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And um, so, <clears throat> of course... You know, um, from many of the Arab countries, uh, there's condemnation um, that is, um, you know, uh, cast toward uh, President Trump specifically, but uh, the United States generally, and uh, so that's okay because uh, remember that God blesses those who stand with Israel, and uh, and so I, I just... Hope as a country, we never turn our backs on Israel. Um, but we know because of everything that's happening and uh, the countries that are now aligned and in, in coming into uh, an alliance, that um, uh, the rapture is coming soon. I mean, that's uh, at any moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it is exciting. We are living in exciting times. For the Christian, it's, it's, it's not a time of um, uncertainty, it's not at all. In fact, it's a, it's a time in which we see everything coming together in such a way that um, it should be exciting exciting for us. It's it's troubling. It's chaotic as far as the world is concerned. But for the Christian truly that um, that stands on on the truth of God's word and knows prophecy, um, it it's it's these are exciting times. I mean, and what I'm hoping is, of course, that the the world does start. Um, you know, friends, I'm talking about those who are not believers, who are uh, perhaps, um, they know that you know a bit more about Scripture and prophecy and all that, that they come to you and ask questions. You know, what, what's going on? You know, I know that Israel is the, basically, Jerusalem specifically is the, the epicenter of the world. And uh, what exactly is going on? Why, why is all this happening? Um, you know how big Israel is? It's tiny. It's tiny, and yet that is the very place that everyone's fighting over. That's the focal point of the world. Uh, that's amazing. And, and we know because it's, it's a spiritual battle, and it was all prophesied, and we see it all in Scripture. And so I want to take a moment and, uh, and just uh, praise God for, for Israel and for the things that are happening, and uh, look forward to what's to come. We know what's next. So uh, let's pray. Father, we, um, first of all, we, we do want to lift up those who have lost homes, those um, who have um, business owners that have lost structures even uh, in this fire, all of these fires that are taking place from San Bernardino to Ventura County, all, all throughout Southern California. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would bring them comfort, Father, and that you would even, um, during this time, of people being displaced and in the loss of property father that lord you would be glorified in that uh, perhaps some of these people would be encouraged by believers and others would even come to a place to where they f- they they understand that these uh, material things possessions are are very temporal and can come and go so quickly and uh, i i pray that they don't get embittered or shake a fist at you, but I pray, Lord, that they would come to an understanding of who you are, and uh, so that 's what that 's what my prayer is, Lord, that more people would come to know you even through through um, these uh devastating times and uh and these fires and, and we do lift up the first responders, firefighters, paramedics, everyone who is um not only fighting the fires, but uh, taking care of traffic control and everything else, I pray, Lord, that you would keep them safe and uh, that you would give them wisdom and discernment on how to take care of the public as well as um, property as much as possible. and so we lift them up to you, and finally, <clears throat> Lord, we do pray for Israel. Um, Lord, um, we know that your your eyes are are, are on Israel, they are your people. And um, and Lord, your prophecy is clear, and so I pray, Father, that as the United States, um, Lord, we know that there are going to be and are those right now who oppose this decision for uh, the United States to acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and uh, and yet, Lord, that is uh, that was a decision that was made back in 1995, and is just now. Um, being followed, and Trump is simply being obedient to that which was uh, set and uh, decided upon uh, back, what, 20 years ago, uh, 22 years ago. And uh, and so, Lord, we, uh, we lift up Israel to you, and uh, we ask, Father, that, uh, Lord, you would uh, bless this nation, Father, in a way that uh, perhaps we have not seen before. Um, I do pray, of course, my desire is just as yours is, Lord, and that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And uh, and so, Father, I pray for mercy upon this country. Um, Lord, that um, we as your people would rise up. Lord, that we would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and that we would just uh, tell others about your grace, your love, and how it is that you demonstrated it through your son, Jesus Christ, as you have sent him to this world, uh, that it might be saved through him. And so, Lord, be with us. And be with us this evening, Father, as we do continue our study through the book of Numbers. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand what it is to love extravagantly, to love lavishly, and, uh, Lord, for you to be that object of our affection. Lord, because in doing so, uh, we would have no place for any idols or anything else, uh, to uh, to be placed in in that in that one place of worship and complete adoration, um, in which you belong, in our lives. And so let let us place our eyes squarely upon you this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding by your Spirit and teach us, Lord. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So, like I said, we're in Numbers chapters. 28 and 29 this evening, and what we're looking at is um, basically what we've seen before in the book of Leviticus, and and uh, that is the offerings. Um, we've previously learned of these uh, all of these offerings that we have before us in Leviticus, and we will read through these offerings once more, but all in one sitting, um, because in the book of Leviticus, they were somewhat broken up. Now, the Lord, what we need to uh, kind of just think on before we go into these offerings, is that the Lord, remember, is preparing his people to enter, occupy, and dwell in the promised land. Not just kind of, but successfully and completely. Uh, The previous sacrifices completed the groundwork for sanctification of the nation uh, prior to the presentation of the tribal offerings and the dedication of the tabernacle or the tent of meetings. Um, So we've seen that and we've gone through that. In this section, these offerings... We're all in anticipation of observing these celebrations and these commemorations um, as they enter into the lord i mean the the land that the Lord had promised so this is all in anticipation, all in preparation for the children of Israel to enter into the promised land and practice that which they have been commanded um, to do in this section. these offerings were. Again, all in uh, in anticipation. So it it requires faith. It's like, okay, listen, I'm giving you these commandments. These are the very things that that you are to do. And you are to receive them by faith and know that at some point you you are going to need to put these into practice. So it's all received by faith. Now these commemorations, these celebrations, these observations by the Israelites demonstrate the extravagant or lavish sacrificial worship of the Lord. And this anticipates an abundant period of blessing for the people of God, for the Israelites. Uh, Because it's going to take quite a bit to fulfill these sacrifices, these offerings, on a regular basis. I mean, we have daily offerings, we have weekly offerings, we have monthly offerings, we have seasonal offerings. They're all there. And it's going to take quite a bit on the part of Israel to keep up with these offerings. And each of these offerings were cumulative, which means that uh, one didn't take the place of the other. Uh, It means that the Sabbath offerings, which were the weekly offerings, did not replace the daily offerings on that day, nor did the monthly offerings on that day replace the daily offerings. They were in addition to the others. So the sacrifices, once again, uh, were to be offered in great quantities. Great quantities. Also, what what we have before us is the order of presentation closely parallels Leviticus chapter 23, where the emphasis is on the participation of the worshipers. That's something to where, as we as we take a look, and that's what's, and, and I've shared this with you guys. This has been exciting going through the Old Testament. What, what perhaps I thought, you know, I... I don't know how it's going to be as we go through the Old Testament. I have found it to be quite exciting because the worshiper in those days is just the same worshiper that should be found today. We should have complete devotion and complete surrender and humility before the Lord, before the creator of the universe. Because even here, like I said, it it very closely parallels Leviticus chapter 3, where the emphasis is on the participation of the worshipers in the celebration, uh, the commemorations, and the offerings that corresponded to the consecrated days of commemoration and celebrations in Leviticus. So we see them both in the book of Numbers here in these two chapters, as well as back in Leviticus. But in these two chapters, the primary concern is not so much the worshiper. The the focus here is mostly the priestly responsibilities uh, of the details of the offerings. You can say that these two chapters together serve basically as a supplemental to Leviticus chapter 23. So let's start out by reading uh, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 28. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel and say to them, my offering, my food for my food offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. And you shall say to them, this is the food offering that you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs, a year old without blemish, day by day as a regular offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with a quarter of a hen of beaten oil. It is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Its drink offering shall be a quarter of a hen for each lamb. In the, in the holy place you shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight like the grain offering of the morning. And like its drink offering, you shall offer it as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So these are the daily offerings. Every day, these are the offerings that the Lord commanded the Israelites to offer. A male lamb in the morning without blemish and also a male uh, lamb in the afternoon. Just as the sun goes down, it it hides and yet there's still light. That's twilight. That is when the evening lamb was to be offered also without blemish. So each and every day, it started out and it closed with a sacrifice, which uh, points to, uh, you know, this is is an offering, this is something that is sacrificial, but it points to a devotion, the devotion of the people, uh, a committal of their obedience and praise and worship of the Lord. This is an appropriate and fitting way in which we as believers should basically start and end our day. It was a statement of reliance, of humility, of confession, of devotion, and a desire toward the Lord. It's having always that inclination toward Him, and so it should be for us as well. I'm I'm so glad that the Lord even then did not um, say, well, it's going to be too much for you. And so, therefore, we're going to not do a daily sacrifice. But perhaps we can do a, a weekly. Or if that's too much, maybe we can do a monthly. Maybe a monthly. Because you guys are probably going to be too busy. No, it was daily. There was a sacrifice in the morning. A sacrifice in the evening. There was a sacrifice weekly. And there was a sacrifice that was taken care of monthly. And again... One did not replace the other. I believe as I see this, that it should be uh, also reflected in our own lives as we have those times of devotion, of sacrifice and, uh, sacrificing unto the Lord our, 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 ver- our time, our heart, our whole lives in the morning as well as in the evening. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm five three says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch, and watch. When you wait upon the Lord, what does that mean? It means we we hope on the Lord. When we watch, it's the same meaning. We're watching because we're waiting. We're hoping in the Lord. And we can't do that if we're not closely aligned with his will, if we're not listening to him on a regular basis. So the psalmist said in the morning, you hear my voice, I'm praying, I'm crying out to you. I'm laying everything before you. I'm desperately in need of you to direct me in everything that I do. Psalm 141, verse 2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Speaks of devotion. And these are the daily offerings. And he continues. This is the Lord, of course, giving these things to Moses so that he could pass them along to the Israelites in preparation again to possess the promised land. Verse 9, On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour for a grain offering, mixed with oil and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So, again, this is an addition. So an additional two male lambs were sacrificed and offered. Uh, we need to be reminded that the life of the person serving the Lord as an offerer and the sacrifice or offering itself were both gifts from God. Uh, We can't offer anything that we haven't first been given. So both the offerer and the offering is itself, or both of them, gifts from God. And the return of the life of the offering was in celebration for the life given to the person or person's offering. So what happens is all of these sacrifices, they all require an atonement. But what's given back is a relationship. And that's really what the Lord desires through all of these sacrifices through all of these observations and celebrations, it's a relationship. And so really what's given back is this beautiful life that is intimate with the Lord. So those are the weekly offerings. And that, those are the, the offerings of the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, in addition to the daily offerings. But then we have the monthly offerings. Verse 11, as we continue, at the beginning, beginnings of your months... You shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord. Two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old, without blemish. Also, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering, mixed with oil for each bull. And two tenths of fine flour for a grain offering, mixed with oil for the one ram. And a tenth of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for every lamb. For a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, food offering to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be half a hen of wine for a bull and a third of a hen for a ram and a quarter of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year. Also, one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So these are the monthly offerings. Uh, These offerings were also referred to as times in which the leaders of the nation would enjoy uh, a feast together, everyone coming together and breaking bread. Uh, This was a very significant holy day for Jewish life. Rams' horns were sounded over the burnt offerings, and all commerce was suspended. So um, all sales, the shops were closed, everything was stopped. This was a very special day. It was a holy day. Everything was stopped, and, and there was a, an issue that came up at some point, though, and I want to point um, to that because I think it's important for us to, even, even though we, you know, the, the Jewish people would observe these commandments of the Lord, um, there, there were some things that took place beyond um, this day in, in which the, the Israelites uh, basically found themselves not in a good place with the Lord. Because of social injustice and religious idolatry, this observation was at one point contemptible in the eyes of the Lord. And and we need to, sometimes it's like, well, how can it be contemptible in the eyes of the Lord when we're doing the very thing that he's told us to do? Right? It's interesting that the heart of man can pervert anything, not just about anything, but anything and everything, even the worship of our God, we can we can bring to a place to where it's just not genuine, it's not sincere. Uh, we can find ourselves being robotic and going through the motions, and, and, and it's not anything that is even sacrificial. I know a lot of people, um, sometimes, you know, at one point or another, you realize that you're you're not offering anything worth anything. It's not costing you anything. It's all out of convenience. And if it's not my way, well, it's a highway. I'll, I'll just stop, right? And, and I think that, that that type of worship, that kind of serving the Lord, it, as King David said, hey, if it doesn't cost me anything, I'm not going to offer it to the Lord. We should, we should definitely heed that in our own lives, Because what was contemptible before the Lord was the very thing that he told them to do, and they were doing. It had been corrupted by the people. This became an observance that didn't have the same meaning it should have with the people. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, "'Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly.'" Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Can, can you imagine, I mean, just such strong words coming from the Lord and through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel. It was all empty. I would never want to be a part of a people who is serving the Lord and In emptiness, just kind of going through the motions, just thinking of myself more than we are the object of our affection, the Lord, in response to his love that he demonstrated to us. We don't want to be there as a people. Do you think our gatherings as believers can turn into the same things as these days became for the Jewish people before God? I I think they can. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians addressed a people who came together but allowed divisions to remain tolerance of sexual sin and were idolatrous. Carnal Christians in the way they were described was the way that they were described by the Apostle Paul. And and they were uh, rebuked sharply by the Apostle Paul. We need to be conscientious about our offerings to the Lord. Uh, We shouldn't come... You know, if we've been walking for, with the Lord for any, any length of time, we should not be coming to these gatherings in a flippant manner. We should come knowing exactly what we're coming to do, to worship the Lord, really to offer ourselves to him and, and receive from him whatever it is, direction, even rebuke, exhortation, anything that he has for us, that we would come humbly before, before him and yield to his lordship in our lives. These offerings were all according to the calendar, is what we have before us. The, the daily, the weekly, and the monthly. The, those are the things that we have before us. And all of the sacrifices and the offerings um, that we read through, uh, they, they were all to be placed on the calendar. They were, they were to be um, observed as the Lord had commanded them to be observed. But there are other offerings that we're going to go over here. And there are more seasonal celebrations and commemorations and, uh, and starting out with the Passover offerings. And uh, that's in verse 16 as we continue. On the 14th day of the first month is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of this month is a feast. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. But offer a food offering, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls from the herd, one ram and seven male lambs a year old. See that they are without blemish. Also their grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah shall you offer for a bull and two tenths for a ram. A tenth shall you offer for each of the seven lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall offer these besides the burnt offering. Of the morning, which is for a regular burnt offering. In the same way, you shall offer daily for seven days the food of a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offerings and its drink offering, and on the seventh day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. So, this is also known as, as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Passover, as, as well as the Feast of Unleavened Bread together, Passover begins the annual cycle of agricultural and really God-ordained um, celebrations or festivals. Um, it, it started on the 14th day of the first month. Uh, this is about March-April time, is uh, what you'll see on the calendar. And this is a week-long celebration of the time when the Israelites were delivered From Egyptian rule. Slavery. The blood of the lamb was to be placed over the doorposts of the entrance of the homes. In order for the angel of death to pass over them. And spare their firstborn children. This was outlined in Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 20. And also Leviticus chapter 23 verses 4 through 8. And Deuteronomy 16. 1 through 8. So we have this. Reference in all of those three different areas. A yearling lamb was to be slaughtered and consumed by the family members along with the required unleavened bread and bitter herbs. We know that at that time they were to be prepared Uh, with the unleavened bread. They were to leave nothing for the morning. They were, as a family, basically to uh, cook the lamb and, and eat it in its entirety. During the eight days of celebration, a total of... Sixty-six lambs, fourteen bulls, seven rams, seven goats, seven and a half bushels of fine flour, over twenty-five gallons of olive oil, and at least a half gallon of wine were used in these sacrifices. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, and I hope you're starting to get a picture of what the Lord was requiring of the Israelites. This was all for worship. This is this wasn't even for their their daily use. I mean, they had to had to survive, and they had to. You know, provide for their families on a daily basis. This was outside of that. And by the way, this wasn't even their tithe, their offering. Those are all outside of these sacrifices that they were to offer. The testimony of the New Testament for this observance itself is that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection took place during the Jewish celebration of the Passover in Christ we know was the fulfillment of the passover of passover this is the salvation event for christians as the exodus was for the israelites in the day of moses you could you, you could see a, a likeness in both of them but it, in jesus christ we see this fulfilled he is the substance of the shadow as we know it says in hebrews he is the substance this is all a foreshadowing of the substance that has been fulfilled and come to be known in jesus christ first corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened for christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed and then we continue on to the feast of weeks verse 26 On the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old. Also their grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for each bull, two tenths for one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs. With one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the regular burnt offerings and its grain offering, ye shall offer them and their drink offering, see that they are without blemish. It was also called the day of first fruits, of the wheat harvest. Um, you can reference Exodus chapter 34, verse 22. And basically this marked the end of the Passover season, which came seven weeks and a day after. And so it's also a Feast of Weeks. If we have seven weeks, seven times seven is 49, plus one day is 50, right? Which 50 uh, is the reason why it's called... Pentecost, so you're familiar with Pentecost, right? So this was uh, this marked the end of the Passover season. It was a time of thanksgiving for the harvest, and the highlight of the festival was the the priest waving of the two bread loaves of new grain and the two lambs of the fellowship offering, and that's found in Leviticus chapter 23. Now we know that Acts chapter one and two took place during this time. Uh, it was in Acts two that Peter gave his, uh, his sermon, and over 3,000 souls came to be saved, came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they were baptized. Talk about a day of thanksgiving. You know, the church was born, and 3,000 souls were saved. And, uh, and, and this was definitely a great harvest. Um, and it was, it was amazing, right? What a gathering. But even this feast was only possible because of the offerings, the atoning sacrifice that was offered. Our celebration of life in Christ is only possible with Jesus' atoning sacrifice. And of course, victory over the grave because he was resurrected and uh, and he ascended. uh, And today sits at the right hand of the Father. So we have... Uh, The Feast of Weeks and uh, and Pentecost there. And we also, as we continue on to chapter 29, we have the Feast of Trumpets. So let's continue on to that. Uh, Chapter 29, verse 1. On the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a day for you to blow the trumpets. And you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. 1 bull from the herd, 1 ram, 7 male lambs, a year old without blemish. Also their grain offering, a fine flour. Mixed with oil, 3 tenths of an ephah for the bull, 2 tenths for the ram, and 1 tenth for each of the 7 lambs. With 1 male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon, and its grain offering, and the regular burnt offering, and its grain offering, and their drink offering, according to the rule for them, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. The fall season of festivals started out with the Feast of Trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah. Something to note here is how it, um, how we read, and you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And then in verse six, it says, "For a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord," which gives us an understanding of God's pleasure and satisfaction. That, uh, that he received with the, with the act of the worshiper. It's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And we know that he doesn't literally have a nose or, or, or hands or anything like that. These are all attributes, um, humanly speaking, that we can come to understand how it is that, um, you know, in, in, in our pleasure, how when something um, pleasing comes into our presence... Um, that we can kind of attribute that to, to the Lord. And so that's, that's how we make him feel, as we in all sincerity and, and with genuineness worship the Lord. It's a pleasing aroma to him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship or reasonable service in other words for us to give ourselves completely and complete devotion to the lord it is a proper response to the love that he demonstrated to us and the grace that he basically handed to us and invites us to receive by grace through faith in Jesus Christ salvation And so it's our reasonable service. It's our spiritual worship to present ourselves in our entirety to the Lord. But let's continue on to a day in which it wasn't so happy. And that was the day of atonement. Uh, We continue verse 7 in chapter 29. On the 10th day of of the 7th month, you shall have a holy convocation and afflict yourselves. You shall do no work, but you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, one bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old. See that they are without blemish. And their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for the bull, two tenths for the one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings. So the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, this was the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. It's interesting that this is the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, and yet it wasn't um, the the happiest feast. But it was rather a solemn, it 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 was a solemn gathering to humble themselves before the Lord. The primary manner in which a person was to participate in this observance was to deny themselves was, uh, part of it was to fast. Um, it was to make oneself lowly, to humble oneself before the Lord. The work of Christ on the cross as the sacrificed lamb without blemish or defect, according to 1 Peter one nineteen, was the complete fulfillment of, of this very observance right here, the Day of Atonement. According to Hebrews Chapter 7, verses 22 through 28. Jesus is our high priest who offered himself once for all. He didn't, have, as, as we have read through these um, sacrifices, do you notice one thing that keeps going through? What is it that the high priest has to do for himself on behalf of himself? He, he has to atone for his own sin. Jesus Christ did not have to do that. He is our high priest who offered himself once for all. He is our eternal sacrifice, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. And it was Jesus' work that accomplished our redemption from sin and cleansed our guilty consciences, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. He's our eternal high priest. So he had, there, there was no succession. There was no one else that had to do it again. It was complete when he offered himself on the cross. It was once and for all, it was taken care of. And yet this was, this was the holiest day. Of course it's the holiest observation, right? This, this day in which they were to humble themselves before God and receive his atoning sacrifice on their behalf. And this is permanently in Christ. This is eternal There's no more. You don't have to sacrifice anymore. We don't have to sacrifice. We can't do anything to earn the grace of God or else it wouldn't be the grace of God. But there's more as we continue. And this is what we're going to wrap up with. And that is the Feast of Booths. Uh, Verse 12. On the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. Um, convocation by the way is is gathering we're going to gather everyone together all the people so that's a convocation you shall not do any ordinary work and you shall keep a feast to the lord seven days and you shall offer a burnt offering a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the lord 13 bulls from the herd two rams 14 male lambs a year old they shall be without blemish and their grain offering a fine flour mixed with oil three tenths of an ephah for each of the 13 bulls two tenths for each of the two rams And a tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering and its drink offering. On the second day, twelve bulls from the herd, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with a grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings on the third day 11 bulls 2 rams 14 male lambs a year old without blemish with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls for the rams and for the lambs and the prescribed in the prescribed quantities also one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering on the fourth day 10 bulls 2 rams 14 male lambs a year old without blemish "...with a grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides a regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, "...with a grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering." And its grain offering and its drink offering. On the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish, with a grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offerings. On the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, a year old without blemish. "...with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the eighth day, you shall have a solemn assembly. You shall, you shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish." and the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bull, for the ram, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also, one male goat for a sin offering besides the regular burnt offerings and its grain offering and its drink offering. It could have been really easy to just say, etc. Right? But the Lord didn't say that. I think of this. I really do when when we come across sections of Scripture like this. It's like, man, it's like, can you have said just ditto, 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 you know, and, and we're, we're, we're good, right? But he, he didn't. He didn't. The, the Lord, every single word is the very breath of God, right? We know that to be so. There's a reason why, as we go through Um, he's very specific and, and we read through, even in reading that, it gives you this picture of really what is involved in the worship of God, what he prescribed. Nothing was too much. Nothing was, it wasn't even redundant. It was necessary. The feast of Booth, all these were all the offerings this was the third in a series of uh, of se- the seventh-month Holy Day observations. Uh, it is an eight-day celebration, which we read, which concludes the agricultural season that began with Passover. It was the fall harvest of the vineyards, olive orchards, uh, vegetable crops, and the overall fruit of God's abundant blessing upon his people. And it was celebrated in concert with the remembrance of of God's special provision of his people while they were delivered from Egyptian slavery and dwelt in tents or booths in the wilderness. The Israelites are now being commanded to observe this upon entering into the promised land and settling in the promised land. This is what you will do to remind not only yourself and the people today, but for generations to come, that I am the God who delivered you from Egypt and who has brought you into the promised land. But it started out by delivering you out from under Egyptian slavery. Never forget that. It's like for us, I believe it would do us good to never forget what we have been delivered from and, and if you don't know it, it sometimes if you grow up in the church and you've had a pretty decent life sometimes it's hard to like define them well when what was i delivered from and when was that moment and i know even unfortunately some pk's some pastors kids you know and i've heard it said you know well, we have to go out into the world and really experience the world in order to be saved from something. And it's like, and relate. And, and you don't. You really don't. But you need to realize, we need to all realize what we've been saved from. Because we all need to come to a point to where we realize that. We were once slaves of the flesh. Hey, even if it was at 8 years old, 10 years old, I know... I know uh, people who have been kids that were saved at at that age. But it's coming to a realization of what you were delivered from. I think it would do us quite well because it would humble us. You know, we wouldn't be so full of ourselves if we just remembered what we were delivered from and by whom. We sure didn't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Can't do that. Not into salvation. But this here was an incredibly happy memorial of god 's faithfulness to Israel during the exodus I'd like to, to think back to that to take part in this eight day festival was to talk of those things that the Lord did for his people during the whole time they had i mean they were tenting it right they would go out and eat whether they had a a nice dwelling or, or not, you know, they'd they, they tent it for those eight days. They'd be out there and they'd be talking, remembering, teaching their kids of exactly what the Lord did with an outstretched arm. And all of this was demonstrated by the people engaging in a lavish display of expensive, sacrificial offerings. We we read through it all, right? Day after day after day after day, all these offerings, these sacrifices, all of this was, was, it was an expression of this lavish worship of the Lord. And then remembering these things that the Lord had done for them. This is all what they were to do as they we're about to enter into the promised land. And the verse 39. says, These you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed feasts, in addition to your vow offerings, and your freewill offerings, and your burnt offerings, and for your grain offerings, and for your drink offerings, and for your peace offerings. Verse 40. So Moses told the people of Israel everything Just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Sometimes I know that we can get into this kind of this this attitude. Since I'm coming to this festival, you know, I'll I'll count what I'm bringing to this gathering toward what I would normally offer to the Lord on other days. You know, it's kind of like, well, it's in the place of... And and the answer to that is in God's economy, it's no, it, it doesn't work out that way. The worship of God, what we need to see here, is extravagant. It's lavish. It, it's, a, it, it's this type of, of worship to the Lord that is sacrificial. It's a display of devotion and sacrifice that comes personally from the life of the worshiper. There is that which is offered regularly, and then there is that which is offered to the Lord on special occasions. These were those special occasions. They are, again, as I said at the very beginning, they're cumulative. It's it's not one in place of the other. If this one's coming in, this one's out. No, it's all together, and it kind of piles up. But it's this beautiful display of worship to the Lord. It's not substitutionary. It is costly. It is extravagant giving. And it is pleasing to the Lord. Keep in mind that the offerings of these two chapters are largely burnt offerings, as we read through, which means that they are entirely consumed on the altar by fire. These are sacrifices that point to the worship and devotion of the worshiper who is entirely giving themselves to the Lord, and it is, again, a costly sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord. And the worshiper is is and should be content in giving everything to the Lord without anything, uh, seeking to have anything come back to him. Nothing is returned, it's all consumed, and these expressions of faith are made publicly and corporately. It's like, you know, for the person who says, well, I don't need to go, you know, I don't need to be a part of a church, I don't need to, no, that's nonsense. That's unbiblical. In fact, even from this point, it was, it, was, it was community. Everyone came together in these convocations, these gatherings that were called on these special days was for everyone to participate in. It demanded their participation. And so our worship of the Lord, as we come together, we know the benefits. We stir each other up to good works. We encourage one another. We're able to um, come alongside each other only if we're actually in each other's presence. If we're talking, if we're asking questions, if we're following up on those things that we have been told uh, by other people that that are perhaps concerns, or you know, celebrating with them that when when good things are, are taking place, these were the very things that that speaks of community back then as it does today. We celebrate and we worship together, and then we see that expressed in our individual lives as we go into our workplaces and to our communities and we should impact it for the glory of god ephesians 5 2 says and walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god romans 12 1 says i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship which we re- referenced that verse earlier And a man by the name of um, G. Wenham said, quote, Here again, the giving of these laws acts as a strong affirmation of the promise to Joshua and the rest of the people. Every year in the future, the priests will have to sacrifice 113 bulls, 32 rams and 1086 lambs and offer more than a ton of flour and a thousand bottles of oil and wine a lot but remember that this was the Lord preparing his people for entry and settlement in the land flowing with milk and honey it was a land of abundance the Lord had provided for them in the the wilderness and he was going to provide for them even much more in the promised land for us, no amount of personal sacrifice will win us entrance into heaven. We know that, but only the sacrifice of the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist pointed out, right? We can't outgive the Lord. What, what I hope we, we learn is, is how to worship Him humbly, sacrificially, extravagantly, and genuinely. And we, in doing so, are heaping up treasures in heaven. And in that place, he is honored, he is glorified. No one can steal it. It doesn't rot. It doesn't go away. It's all to our account. And those are the treasures that we want to pile up in heaven. One day we will be in all of God's glory. We will be with him. I know real soon we'll be with him. And at that point, we'll know exactly... That which is, was for loss here on earth and that which was for gain. And it's all for God's gain and his glory. What well, we've won, we've already won in Christ. We are joint heirs with him of all of God's riches. Amen. That's prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we would respond with our own lives, Lord, of always seeking to outdo one another that is in understanding and loving each other Lord and by doing so we we demonstrate to others that we are your disciples that Lord we would obey your commands Lord and by doing so exemplify and illustrate a genuine love toward you and Lord, may we always keep in mind the fact that if we are truly worshiping you in this manner, lavishly casting upon you, Lord, everything that has to do with our lives, that we will have absolutely no room to worship anything or anyone else. That's how it is in a marriage if we, if we are completely devoted to our spouses, if we have eyes for no one else, then we'll make no room for any other relationship above that one. And so, Lord, I pray that we would have even a greater love for you. And we would adore you. And we would completely devote ourselves to you to bringing you glory. We thank you, Father, and we can only do it by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.